Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are going to be talking about the Saturday, February 18th slate of college basketball DFS. We're sitting here recording this late Friday night. Well, I guess at this point it is early Saturday morning, but we're going to be talking about the 12 p.m. main slate of college basketball DFS on both DraftKings and FanDuel. Now, all the scoring and all the salaries that we're going to be talking about are applying to the DraftKings slate, but if you are playing on FanDuel, all the opinions and all the analysis of the players still applies as well. There's a lot of crossover with the FanDuel main slate. Um, and the DraftKings main slate, but FanDuel also features some of the higher profile games from later in the day. Um, so all the games that I talk about that are on both DraftKings and FanDuel, obviously my opinions apply to both of them. And I do think that there are um, some pricing situations that are going to be available to take advantage of on that FanDuel main slate on Saturday. Now, me personally, I don't know about y'all. I've actually been having a little bit better luck on FanDuel than DraftKings recently. Maybe it's, you know, the lack of like the sharp players being on FanDuel at the moment. Maybe it's just uh, their pricing algorithms seem to work out better for the guys I like. I don't know what it is, um, but I'm hoping to keep the success on their rolling. So I will be playing some FanDuel college basketball contests as well as my normal DraftKings ones. Now this episode is primarily talking about the main slate for fat or for Saturday, February 18th, 18th. Yeah, it's 18th. So what I'm also advising is give me a follow on Twitter. I'll be tweeting out some extra stats and facts about the afternoon and the night slates. And also, if you want to see my DFS picks for the main afternoon and night slates on DraftKings, as well as the main slate on FanDuel, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. All right, enough with the introductions. Let's go ahead and start breaking down this monster slate that we got. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. <laughs> All right, so let's start breaking this slate down by identifying some of the games that we want to target and make sure we get some exposure to in our DFS lineups. So the number one game that we want to target on the DraftKings slate is Wake Forest at Miami. That game has a total of 157.5, according to Vegas right now. Uh, Ken Palm, however, has it at 85 to 77 Miami, which would be 162 total points scored. These are two of the faster teams in the country in terms of tempo. They're two of the better offensive teams in the country, and they're also, quite frankly, not that good at interior defense. And so I think that there's going to be a lot of points scored in this one, uh, a lot of different plays and a lot of ways to get exposure to this game. Uh, and I would definitely be trying to find a piece of it in my lineup. Now, the second game that I want to target is Boston College at Florida State. This one has a total of 142.5, according to Vegas. Ken Palm has it as 73 to 70 in favor of Florida State, so 143 points scored in that one. Now, the one big variable for this one is Matthew Cleveland of Florida State. I would consider him doubtful for this game. Um, you know, kind of surprise news that he didn't play earlier in the week, but it didn't really seem like they had a timetable for his return or that he would be likely to play or that he's practicing or anything like that. So I don't think he's going to end up playing. If he does not play, I would expect Caleb Mills, Darren Green, and Jalen Worry all to get more usage in the offense. But the big thing with Cleveland is he averages 7.8 rebounds per game. So somebody's going to have to pick up the slack on the rebounding if Florida State wants to um, contend with Boston College. Now, the third game that I want to talk about, and this is the number one total game on FanDuel for the slate, is Illinois at Indiana. Vegas has it as a total of 143. Ken Palm has it as 75 to 71 Indiana, which will be 146 points scored. Now, what I like about this one is that Indiana is a drastically different team at home. They perform much better offensively when they're playing in Assembly Hall. 
And the one kind of variable for this one, well, it's not really a variable. It's already been determined already, but Terrence Shannon Jr., Illinois' best player and highest usage player, is going to be out for this game. And so what you could end up seeing is Illinois' offense lately has been really dependent on ball screens with Terrence Shannon Jr. And so I could kind of see a little bit of that ball screen action being run with Jaden Epps or Ty Rogers. Um, however, I could also see additional usage from Matthew Mayer. And I could also see additional minutes from backup guard RJ Melendez. So um, between Mayer, Epps, Rogers, and Melendez, those four are going to have to pick up the slack. And I really don't know in what order that's going to take place in. I guess if I had to you know, fire a guess now, I would probably say that I'm most likely to play Ty Rogers in this slate tomorrow. Um, I like the price tag. I like the dual eligibility. Um, and I think that he is kind of more of the mold of Terrence Shannon's role than any of the other guys there. I would probably have Epps ranked second. I think Mayer is in line for a normal game for him, maybe a little bit of a boost in usage. Uh, and then RJ Melendez is just such a wild card. Uh, I would probably have him fourth. However, at his low price tag, he's certainly worth a dart throw if you're playing GPPs. All right, now, those are the three games that we want to target. Now, let's start talking about some, you know, actual players that we want to target. And the first is from our number one game. It's Tyree Appleby of Wake Forest. He has an incredibly high usage rate for the Deeks. And all of his games where he has hit four times value for his current salary, they've all come when Wake scores 73 points or more. Well, Wake's predicted 75 points um, for Kempom. So um, I definitely think the way can get to that 73 number that will allow Appleby to achieve four times value. And I think this could be a ceiling game for Appleby. Miami's a, not a bad perimeter defending team. Wuga Poplar is really probably their best perimeter defender, but I actually don't think he matches up well with Appleby. They will probably stick him on Damari Monsato or Cameron Hildreth, probably Monsato. Um, so I think that this will actually be a really good matchup for Appleby, probably going up against Nigel Pack. Uh, and so I just think this is a great opportunity for Appleby to um, at least get to four times value, potentially a ceiling game in a great game environment at Miami. Second on the board is Marquise Noel of Kansas State. Now, one thing that's kind of worrisome about Noel is that he hasn't hit four times value in his last five games. However, his usage rate has not dropped. He just hasn't really been as successful, and the games haven't been as high scoring. And really, Kansas State as an offense have not been scoring the way that they normally do. And I kind of think that this is a good kind of bounce back game for him against Iowa State. He had 45 fantasy points the first game against Iowa State in only 12 shots taken. Um... That's below his average. So I definitely think that Noel could be in for a bigger game. And if he gets more shots, he could definitely get you to 45, 50, 55 fantasy points. Now, looking further down the board in the 8K range, I like both Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller of Miami. It's a great game environment against Wake Forest. And Wake is a poor rebounding team, which plays really well for Jordan Miller in particular. Another guy that I want to talk about is Makai Ashton Langford of Boston College. He's in a very interesting spot. His last two games, he has averaged 15.3 fantasy points, but yet his price went up $400 on DraftKings. Honestly, the last two games, I'm willing to disagard. It's, just, it's such a strange juxtaposition to be in, but I'm willing to throw those games out. They were losses by 30 and 19 points for Boston College. They were blowouts, like he didn't play the remainder of the game. So I, I absolutely think in normal game flow, he can get back to where he was at before this little mini slump that he's in. FSU's only 2.5-point favorites in this game, and so I don't expect it to be a blowout. Boston College is expected, you know, projected 70 points, you know, from Ken Palm. So I definitely think that there is a way for Makayash and Langford to get back to where he was before this little mini slump. Now, heading down into the 7K range, um, this one's a little bit of a bold call. 
But I think that Kaysan Wallace of Kentucky is in line for some regression. He had a solid fantasy outcome uh, against Mississippi State earlier this week. He had 29 fantasy points. And if you were just kind of like, I don't want to say box score watching, but just kind of watching your DraftKings lineup, you'd be like, oh, 29 fantasy points, not a bad night, right? Well, in the actual game, he wasn't really all that great, especially shooting the ball. He was one for 13 from the field. Now, he did dish out double-digit assists. I'll give him credit for that. But one for 13 from the field. Now, we know he's not a great three-point shooter, but he's missed his last 12 three-point shots over his last two games. So I think that Kaysan Wallace is definitely in line for some regression. He's definitely due for some of these jump shots to go in. And if Xavier Wheeler and C.J. Frederick continue to be out with injury, the usage rate is there for Kaysan Wallace to have a breakout game if these shots start falling in. Like I said, double-digit assists, 13 shots, that's a very, very solid usage rate. And so I definitely think that Kaysan Wallace is in line for a great game. He's, I don't think he's going to be very highly owned either because he hasn't really put it together in a whole lot of games recently. So I definitely think that this is a really good under-the-radar play for GPPs. Now, another guy that we seemingly talk about on the podcast every week, Grant Sherfield of Oklahoma. You play him when the tempo gets up, you sit him when the tempo gets down, and it's a tempo up spot against Texas. As evidence, 31.8 fantasy points last time that the Horns and the Sooners played. And so I definitely think this is a great spot to play Sherfield in yet again. Now, heading down to the 6K range, we've got Nigel Pack of Miami, who is in that great game environment against Wake Forest. I definitely don't want to overlook him. We've also got Arkansas's Debo Davis, who's an elite cash game option. He's just super consistent with his numbers. Um, and then the play that I probably like the most in the 6K range is Virginia's Armand Franklin. He had a little mini slump at the end of January, but it seems like he's coming out of it. He had 29.8 and 28.8 fantasy points in his last two games. The big difference in him getting out of that slump has been the rebounding. And you know who's not a good rebounding team? Notre Dame. So I definitely think that there's an opportunity here for Franklin to continue to put up good numbers by crashing the boards, getting out on the break, getting buckets, getting assists. And so I definitely think this is a great spot for Armand Franklin. Now heading down to the 5K range, there are a lot of guys who are priced in the 5K range, but their roles right now are not indicative of somebody in the 5K range because they're filling in for somebody who's injured. The first of which is Oklahoma State's Bryce Thompson. He's led the Oklahoma State in usage in the last four games, and it's a big tempo up spot against TCU. I will continue to play him until DraftKings can you know, eventually raise his salary. I think he's playable in FanDuel as well. I think he's even more affordable on FanDuel. Florida has two guys in this range that I'm interested in. So if you did not know, Florida's big fella, Colin Castleton, left Tuesday's game early with an injury. Kyle Lofton, former St. Bonaventure transfer, took over as the primary option offensively and really kind of just operated the offense in a scoring and distributing manner for the Gators, really steadied them in that Tuesday night game. And then Marion Jones, who is a guard, took over a lot of the rebounding. He was, he was the team high in rebounds on Tuesday night. And so I definitely think that this is a good spot for both of those guys if they can kind of keep up the roles that they had in the second half of that game. I have really high hopes for Lofton if that usage rate picks up in this one. And then lastly, Antonio Reeves continues to get bonus minutes and bonus usage without C.J. Frederick and Xavier Wheeler in the lineup. The Kind of like Kaysan Wallace, the fantasy point totals haven't been like incredible, but they're solid. I'll take them. And he's gotten 33 shots in his last two games. And like that's anytime we can get a guy in the 5k range that's taking 33 shots in two games, like let's take advantage of that opportunity. 
Now, the 4K range gets really interesting because you've got some guys that I would say probably don't need to be priced here. The first of which is Andre Jackson Jr. of UConn. It's the lowest price he's been at all season. His biggest issue has been staying on the court and staying out of foul trouble. But I'll be honest, against Seton Hall, where Kadari Richmond is the main offensive weapon, and he won't be guarding Kadari Richmond, I don't see a need for him to foul anybody. Like, I don't see just a need for him to get in foul trouble and to ruin his own minutes. He had 22.5 fantasy points last time against Seton Hall, and I think he could actually eclipse that total if he's able to stay on the floor and stay out of foul trouble. Prince Alibe of Boston College, dual eligibility, by the way, was a victim also of their recent blowout losses, but I think in this game, he's got a great game environment, and it's a good spot for him. I don't mind going back to him. Also, I am willing to stand by Tyreek Key of Tennessee. He absolutely killed me on Wednesday. You know, like when they played Alabama and that game was supposed to score like 200 points and Tennessee was supposed to be running through Tyreek Key and Toby Iwaka. Yeah, that, that, that didn't really happen. And he didn't really have a great fantasy performance Wednesday. However, he played 28 minutes. Not bad, right? And he was one for nine from the field which means that he should be due for some regression. It also means that Tennessee is comfortable getting him the ball and letting him take shots. And so in this game against Kentucky, if he gets the ball and he gets his shots and he makes you know three or four out of nine, which is not even that good still, I could see him absolutely giving you a good fantasy performance. And I will stand by him still here at his low price tag. Now, teammate Jemai Meshack of Tennessee played a lot of minutes Wednesday night against Alabama as well. He played 20 minutes, 27 minutes to be exact, but he only had 11.8 fantasy points. I don't think that's a high enough of a rate in terms of fantasy point per minute to warrant going down and playing him. So of the low-priced Tennessee guys, if Josiah Jordan-James continues to sit, I think that Tyreek Key is the one that you want. I never mind going with Zyreek, or Zakai Ziegler. I almost called him Zyreek Ziegler. I never mind going to Zakai Ziegler, but Tyreek Key is the bargain that you want of those Tennessee guards. And then last play that I like for the guards on this slate is Boston College's Mason Madsen. To me, he is a solid cash game play, even at $3,900, which is where you don't normally go in cash games. But he's shown the ability to go get four times and five times value, no matter what the game flow is. And I think that's a kind of an underrated skill when you're playing cash games is having guys that are game flow independent. And I think he is one of them. All right, that does it for the analysis of the guards on this slate. So let's take a quick breather and then let's break down the big fellas. All right, so starting at the four position, the top of the board should be a familiar name if you've been playing college basketball DFS all season. It's Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana. I think he is currently competing with Zach Eady to try to break DraftKings pricing system. Both right now are at $11,500, and I'm going to be curious to see if either of their prices will ever get over that. I think I can make a serious argument for them to actually raise Trace Jackson Davis's price because he's had 50 fantasy points in three straight games, which is well over four times value for 11500 And... Really, too, they've kind of not even been sealing games. Indiana hasn't scored over 66 points in their last three games. And we're used to seeing them in the 70s and 80s quite regularly. So we're looking at a guy who's hitting four times value, even at a ridiculous salary. And his team isn't even playing that well. And in tomorrow's matchup, he's got, he had 58.3 fantasy points the last time that he played Illinois. I think this is an absolute smash spot for Trace Jackson Davis. And I think that the high price tag is going to scare some people away, kind of like how it did with Zach Eady earlier in the week. And so I think that this is actually a really good spot to go pay up for TJD. Oscar Sheboy of Kentucky 
is a guy that has been much the subject on these podcasts throughout the year because, I mean, he's reigning national player of the year. He's an outstanding rebounder, outstanding player. But the bottom line is with him, when you look at his fantasy performances, he needs offensive rebounds in order to hit his ceiling. When you look at his big games, games like the one against Georgia, he gets a lot of offensive boards, which leads to a lot of putbacks or a lot of free throws. And unfortunately for him, I don't think this is the spot for that. And when you look at it, Tennessee, like they're a pretty good rebounding team. They're actually the fourth best offensive rebounding team in the nation, according to Ken Palm. And so you're looking at a situation here where it's just not a great matchup. And when Sheboy doesn't hit his ceiling, he doesn't really give you a whole lot. And so I'm of the opinion that there's a better place to spend your money on this slate. Now, again, what I always say with DFS is sometimes the bad plays become good plays because if everybody thinks they're a bad play, nobody's going to play them. And then if the guy goes off, then you're golden, right? You got a 1% owned player who went off. And I don't think that's a likely outcome, but I definitely think it's an option. But I, I just think there's better ways to spend your salary on this slate than to go pay up for Oscar Sheboy. Adama Snogo of UConn should be in a smash spot against a Seton Hall team that is 230th in the nation in giving up offensive rebounds. However, he only had 20.8 fantasy points last time against Seton Hall, so that's kind of worrisome. There's also a chance that he misses this game. He It looks like he sat out practice with a non-COVID illness, but it kind of looks like he's going to play. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's 100% that he plays, but there's definitely a chance that he sits. And so if he does sit, then we might see a big game out of Donovan Klingon. Donovan Klingon is the seven foot two beast freshman that UConn has that never plays more than 20 minutes a game. And he might have to do so if Sonogo sits. And honestly, it would be a great spot for him if he does. He is a well over a fantasy point per minute player. And I just think that it would be a great spot for him with no Sonogo. Now, if, if Sonogo does not play, not only Klingon would be the beneficiary because Klingon ain't going to play all 40 minutes, but somebody's going to have to pick up the slack on the rebounds, and I would expect that to be Andre Jackson Jr. Hey, we mentioned him earlier, and Tristan Newton at the guard position. Now, looking further down the board in the 8K range, Norchad Omir of Miami is in a smash spot against a Wake Forest team that struggles to defend the interior. Great game environment, plenty of potential for boards on the offensive and the defensive end. Very good spot for Omir on this Saturday slate. Now, I mentioned a few Boston College guys already, probably more than I should, but I'm going to mention another one, Quentin Post. And much like Makai Ashton Langford and Prince Alibe, I think that he was kind of ruined by the game flow in their last two games, and he still hasn't really killed you if you played him in those last two games. And I think he's going to be a tough matchup for Florida State's big men. Florida State's big men are not like these agile guys that go out on the perimeter and defend, and Post is a true stretch five um, that is going to bring them out of the perimeter. So I think that this is a really tough matchup for, for these Florida State big men. I could see Post have a lot of success. It's a great game environment. I have no problem going and paying up for him on this slate. Now, heading down to the 7K range, I really like Caleb Boone of Oklahoma State. Ever since teammate Avery Anderson got hurt, we kind of alluded to that with um, our bit about Bryce Thompson, you know, at the guard position. Since Avery Anderson got hurt, Boone has been averaging 33.25 fantasy points per game, which is about four times value for where he's at. And that number is largely due to the 39 fantasy points he had against this same TCU game or same TCU team four games ago. So I definitely think this is a good spot for Caleb Boone, and I think he can recreate that performance against the Horned Frogs. A name to look out for is Andre Hyatt of Rutgers. So we mentioned how Mawat Mag went down to um, for injury and is done for the season. Um, 
Will Hyatt is kind of filling in quite nicely. He had 30.8 fantasy point performance against Nebraska. He's seeing both increase in minutes and increase in usage, which is what we like to see. However, I don't think this is the best game environment on this Saturday slate going up against Wisconsin, who is going to try to turn this game into a rock fight. Um, might open up a lot of rebounds because they're going to miss a lot of shots, but there's not going to be a whole lot of possessions. There's not going to be a whole lot of scoring. Um, I really do like Andre Hyatt's projections for the rest of the season, but probably not in this spot against Wisconsin. Heading down to the 5K range, Al Jazz Koontz, or I believe they just call him Jazz Koontz of Iowa State, is back. Now, he is back to his full workload from the, I believe it was a finger injury that kept him sidelined for so long. And he played 31 minutes and had 36 fantasy points in the Cyclones last game against TCU. I also think this is a good spot against a Kansas State team that hasn't really defended Biggs well all season. And so I would go ahead and advise playing Koontz now before his price tag gets back up in the 6K and 7K range. Now, i got to talk about West Virginia a little bit. So they're going up against Texas Tech, and they're on a little bit of a slide. Now, it's worth noting that Eric Stevenson did have one of his big performances that boosted his price tag up against Texas Tech, so he's definitely an option in this game. But I feel like in general, just watching these West Virginia games, Bob Huggins is kind of searching for answers with this team. He's looking for guys that are going to go out and play hard and give up the effort on the defensive side of the ball, and they're not all doing that right now for him. One of the guys that is, is Emmett Matthews. He has received more minutes and more usage in their last three games than he had previously, and he's stealing a lot of minutes from a lot of other big men at West Virginia, most notably Trey Mitchell. And so I think that we could continue to see good performances out of Emmett Matthews. I think he's more of a cash game play than a GPP play just because I'm concerned about his ceiling, but I definitely think that the amount of run he's getting and how hard he's playing is going to give him chances to give you a solid floor for his price tag few more plays in the 5K range. First is Kentucky's Chris Livingston, who had 29.8 fantasy points last game against Mississippi State. Look, while Kentucky's got Wheeler and Frederick out, they're pretty much just playing five guys. All five of those guys are in play, except for, like I said, Shibway. I don't like the price tag. Jonas Adu of Tennessee is another um, forward in the 5K range that I like. He had 34.3 fantasy points against Alabama. And while I don't think that that is necessarily repeatable, he will continue to see increased minutes and increased usage as long as Julian Phillips continues to sit. So make sure that you've got you know an out designation for Phillips before you plug in Adu. But I think Adu is in a great spot if Phillips is out. In the 4K range, Miami is a very undersized basketball team. And so a guy that can take advantage of that is Bobby Clintman of Wake Forest. He's played at least 22 minutes in his last four games. And in two of those games, he's had over 20 fantasy points. Now, the counter argument would be, well, what if Wake just decides to go small against Miami? That's obviously a possibility. But I think Wake is more of a type of team with Steve Forbes that they're going to try to exploit a mismatch when they have one. And so I think Bobby Clintman could be that mismatch for the Miami Hurricanes. Now, looking out of the 3K range, there are a few guys in this 3K range who could see additional minutes in their game because of the matchup and teams kind of wanting to match player types and match size, right? So if Tennessee is struggling with Oscar Sheepley, like if he's just giving them issues, I think they will have to use Euros Plasic more. He's really the only true five-man that they have, in my opinion. Um, you know, you've got a few other guys that technically play the five, but Euros is a rim protector. He's a rebounder. He doesn't go out of the perimeter. Um, and so I think he would be the guy that would be kind of like their Shibway stopper in a way. 
Um, and he's got pretty good production in a permanent basis. He had 19 fantasy points in 14 minutes against Alabama. And so if Tennessee does decide to match size and go big, Plasich could be in for a big night. Well, big day, big night. I guess when the, when the game's in the daytime, do you, do you say big day? I, I'm going to say big day. All right, anyway, another guy that could be in for a big game if his team wants to match size is, oh, God, oh gosh, Abiyami Iola. I think I nailed it. Abiyama Iola of Kansas State. If Kansas State wants to match size with Iowa State with Jazz Coombs and Asuna Suni in the middle, then Iola is going to have to play bonus minutes. And he's gotten a fantasy point per minute in three of his last four games. So if he gets you to 20 minutes and he gets you to 20 fantasy points, you're going to be ecstatic with that return for a guy that's in the 3K range. Now, last guy that I'm going to talk about is Jason Jatobo of Florida. He is going to be starting at center in place of the injured Colin Castleton. He had 11 fantasy points in 17 minutes against Ole Miss earlier in the week. And so, you know, we're looking at if that same rate continues and he gets to about 30 minutes, that'd be about 20 fantasy points. And like I said, from a 3K player, you'll be ecstatic with that. I'd be ecstatic with about 18, if I'm being honest. And so I think that that's a very good spot for him. Now, I'm not just sitting here saying that he's going to fill right into Castleton's role, um, but Florida's coach Todd Golden has said as much that Jatobo is going to be the first guy that he tries as the new starting center. And so I definitely think there's upside to be had there. All right, so that does it for the forwards on this episode. And that's going to do it for our preview of the Saturday main slate. Like I said, if you want some information about the afternoon and the night slates, give me a follow on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. And if you want to see how I make my DFS picks for those slates and the main slates for fat, for uh, for FanDuel and DraftKings, late night, y'all, uh, then head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And if you like what you heard this episode, please rate, subscribe, and review. I really do appreciate those of you that have rated and subscribed and reviewed. I do see them on Apple Podcasts. We're up to two now, and we're up to 11 on Spotify, and I want to make those numbers bigger. I want to come the biggest college basketball DFS podcast on the planet, and I can only get there with you guys' help. And so I do appreciate it. All right, best of luck to everybody on this big Saturday of DFS action. Hopefully I gave you guys plenty of information that you can use to help build some winning lineups. Um, Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all next time.